Miles from the Disc Dump Podcast. Do you have a mountain of DVDs, games, or music that you just can't decide what to do with? I do too! And the Disc Dump Podcast is all about deciding what you want to keep and what you want to dump. Do you like trying terrible drinks? Pumpkin pie soda. (laughs) And at the bottom, it says, y'all get your fixins. How about exploring weird ads for websites like Wish.com? Okay, so it's one of those silicone uh, torsos. And you get it right on the head of the Uh silicone torso. Matt has an advantage on this one. (laughs) Do you want deep intellectual discussions about the finer points of music, cinema, or game design? I have no idea where I am right now, so... Then check out the Disc Dump Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And that's disc with a C, by the way. For Nerds by Nerds production. Welcome back to the Four Nerds by Nerd Podcast, your one stop for all your nerdy needs. I am your host, Josh, and joining me today to talk a little bit about the X-Men franchise is Ryan from the Coolness Chronicles. What's up, buddy? Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you. Thank you for having me. How you doing? Good, man. I am pumped to talk about some X-Men movies because... Uh, me too. It's a little all over the place. So. <laughs> <laughs> such a Such a interesting franchise to talk about when they put it into a box set with all the x-men movies it's going to be that on the cover (laughs) uh it is uh yeah we will we will definitely get into it before we do why don't you uh tell the tell the people about yourself tell you tell them all about your your show if they haven't heard it before yeah, uh, I do. At the moment, I do two shows. One of them is called The Coolness Chronicles, which you were on a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, talking about Robocop. Uh, yeah, we talked about Robocop. And uh, so that show, it started off as me kind of doing a time traveling road trip through the history of Mystery Science Theater 3000. And that's going to be wrapping up in a couple of weeks. And then I'll be talking about uh, the Toy Story franchise for a month. And then it's a very special second season it will be about half as long as the first one uh, with so much interesting stuff to talk about, but uh, that can wait for another time. And then I also do uh, Reels of Justice, where we, we make a fake movie court. We have a defender, we have a prosecutor, we have a judge, we have a jury, and we try to see if a movie is guilty of being a bad movie. That is such a cool concept of a first show. I really like admire when people find these like cool like lenses to... like structure a show around I, I think that's really i'm like envious of that <laughs> i can take no credit for it whatsoever but uh i do show up occasionally so yeah. i guess i guess i'm definitely contributing 120 percent. absolutely you're the driving force <laughs> exactly but yeah no that's that's awesome you definitely check out ryan's show like uh, like you said i was on there our friend miles from the distant podcast he's been on there uh, and just his episode will be airing in a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's just lots of lots of cool stuff. I, I love, I love how it's structured. Like you don't just you you do that one. You do the whole section about mystery science theory, and then like we just jumped right into RoboCop. And I think that I think that's really. I like I like shows like that. Like I try to do that when I just try to like I'll do a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and it's like it's not always the same thing. It kind of breaks stuff up. I I, I think it definitely helps keep your show like interesting and stuff like that. I agree. 
But yeah, let's. Uh, we are going to be talking about the entire X Men franchise because we have had about twenty years. I mean, it's been twenty one years, but there wasn't a movie this year of X Men. Uh, I'll, I'll say stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we've had we've had some good movies. We've had some really really bad movies, and we've yeah. had a few just kind of okay movies. But we'll we'll go through them in order of release and just uh, just watch how fast this ship goes down. <laughs> I mean, we won't just be shitting. We'll talk about the good stuff too, because there is there is good stuff. There is a lot of good like casting, and there's great stuff. Here. Yeah, there's some just legitimately amazing movies, and then some, eh, and then some. Why did they make that? Why? And then a little bit of how? <laughs> <laughs> really? What? Yeah. Again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. All this kicked off at the at the. Uh, turn of the millennium back in the year 2000 x-men came out we did an episode last week watching the first movie uh this movie has a 82 percent on rotten tomatoes we will which we, seems high you will see a lot of deviations in those numbers as we go through this <laughs> you you think that's high well let's uh, before we start tearing these apart what what is your overall if you if you put them all together what are you giving uh-huh. this franchise as a whole ratings wise <sighs> Yeah, talk about a challenge, sir. <laughs> uh, let's see. If putting them all together, counting like Deadpool and stuff, like uh, yeah, we can count kind of under the same umbrella. Okay, um, I give it a B minus, which is not bad. Yeah, that's not bad. It's not the best, but there's a there's an overall lack of consistency in terms of the world of the franchise, which I think is what kind of holds it back ultimately. Although it's fun because. Uh, each movie seems to take place in its own continuity, but when you get to the larger picture, that becomes more of a problem. It's not so much a problem when you're in the theater each time, but if you're trying to watch them in order, then it becomes a problem. Yeah, it is really like franchise by name only because like by character and by name yeah. and even the character means it'll probably be played by five different people. Yeah, I mean, you could make an argument yeah, to a lot of these all being set in different universes, but then they do other things to tie them all together. So it's it's a real true. like I said, real mixed bit. Yeah, I was going to say C plus. So we're not we're not far off. It's- I was hovering around there, but I decided to be nicer. So that's why it has a B minus. But really, it is a C plus. Let's be honest here. People. Yeah, I mean, C+. It's, it's it's enjoyable as a whole but yeah i mean there are some bad spots uh but yeah Yeah. x-men from 2000 you don't you didn't like that one no it's not that i don't like it but i do think that 80 but i mean it's an aggregate so 82 percent doesn't necessarily mean it's a it's a b-minus movie but uh it's it's okay it's uh it's formative in that i really look at kind of this age of the comic book movie starting with this because Blade is technically the first Marvel movie since it was 98, but it was not pitched at regular comics reading audiences. It was pitched at adults and uh, kids that wanted to sneak into movies because they couldn't uh, get their parents to buy them a ticket. But X-Men is really where they start taking these properties and trying to see how they can be marketed toward the most amount of people and how they can start this kind of interconnected world. That is true, yeah. Uh, it is. A, it's also like a very, I mean, kind of. It's a little bit of an ensemble cast, just because like 
more of how big of stars a lot of them have become and then how big of stars like some of them already were. Like, I think Halle Berry was the most famous person at the time. But I don't think that she she actually got more famous as they went along, but then her parts got smaller and smaller. But like the first movie is basically Wolverine's movie, which is a strange decision to make considering he arrived, what, like 10 years into the comic books? Yeah, I would say a vast majority of these movies are Wolverine's movie and they definitely shouldn't be. (laughs) Yeah, like he should, if he's going to have his own adventures, they should be Wolverine movies so that you can kind of do that as like a like a side hustle. And if they're going to do an ensemble, then he should be part of that ensemble instead of leading it. Although it does work in the favor of a couple of movies, which we'll get to. Yeah, I would have really liked to see Cyclops be the lead. But but I mean, it's also me too. You don't need a lead character. You need like. And that is, right. I feel like maybe kind of the problem that I think is fixed yeah. in later movies is that they're not like working as a group and they're not like, right. They just go out as a group, but then they always like split off into like individuals. <laughs> like they never really fight as a team and stuff. Even when they like show them training as a team, when it comes to actually like using that, they're, they're just like, nah, screw it. Like we'll do whatever. <laughs> it's, it's like playing a video game in multiplayer and then they just break you up into four different games that's what basically all the group movies of the X-Men are like. This is true. Yeah. I mean, for the time, like what rewatching it, I still enjoyed it, but it is like, it is so much different than like your current MCU where like, yeah, they're not in comic accurate costumes and stuff like that. I still, and they didn't have any money at the time. Like they were, they were cash strapped for the first X-Men movie. That thing cost, I think 70 million, which is, Still not that high in 2000, but especially in terms of like today is not nearly enough for a movie where literally everyone has a superpower. Yeah. And well, and it's also like, I'm pretty sure I'm sure they only got that amount of money to do it at that time because they got Brian Singer, who was big for doing the usual suspects. So it's like if you get yeah. a big name signed on, they'll give you more money. And then when this hit and hit big, then they were like, "Okay, here's all the money. Go do whatever you want. And then that's been basically how it's been going since then. Yeah, pretty much. I I do feel like this was a good jumping off point. And they did a lot of like there is a lot of fan service because they didn't kind of shortchange you with it just being the X-Men versus just Magneto. They did give them the Brotherhood of Mutants. And you do see like a lot of cool characters it's a uh, it's an in, it's interesting to look at it just in terms of how comic book ma- movies are now made because there is a lot of fan service in there, but also they're still trying to figure out how to take comic booky material and make it palatable for audiences. So, like you mentioned about the the comic uh, the uh, costumes, that is something that would it be cool if in two thousand Wolverine looked like Wolverine instead of like Neo from the Matrix? Yes, it would be cool, but. They had no idea if audiences would see a trailer of some guy in blue and yellow and go, I want to see that movie. They were so skittish about this stuff. And now we've gotten to the point where if they're not in their comic book costume, people throw a fit and they cancel you or whatever they do. Yeah. But back then it was like, oh, we don't want to be too weird. We're going to make a movie about a guy who has claws that come out of his fist, but we don't want to make him look weird. (laughs) It's like, he's Wolverine. What the hell are you afraid of? But at the same time, comic book movies were like Superman was big 
in 78 and then made less and less with each sequel. And then Batman was huge and then made less and less with each sequel. So you don't want to make it too comic booky, but at the same time, you don't want to alienate the people that uh, grew up with these comics. They also, they're, they're all, they're probably better off for it though, too. Cause if they did make a Wolverine costume in 2000, it probably would have looked like shit. That is true. Like they're not going to make them like they'll make it when they introduce the X-Men into the MCU where like his helmet will probably look a little more like tactical and like his ears will be like a little more pinned to the side to look somewhat realistic. Like they would have had the ears like flailed out (laughs) like three feet from (laughs) it. It would have looked ridiculous. Yeah. When the when we do finally see those costumes, they're going to have utility to them. They're going to look like something that you could probably build in a workshop which is fine. That's, that's fine. It, but it would, it's just nice to see the color. I don't know so much as making them look completely accurate, like to the beat, because, you know, when Jack Kirby was drawing these people, they, they did not have human proportions. So they're not made for actors. They're made for comic book characters, but yeah. just seeing them in their colors, that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. Yeah, I do. I, I, it just helps. It does help. And, and, that's what I didn't like about the Ultimates uh, when they started doing the Ultimates comics because I feel like the Ultimates was a kind of like a reaction to the movies. They're like, we'll make more realistic yeah. versions, like because in the Ultimate X Men they're all wearing like matching black costumes, and I'm like, well, this is to- you totally just took this from the movie, and then it felt like yeah. every movie that came out then their Ultimates line like launched, and then it was more similar to the movies look. And it's just like, yeah, ugh, like <laughs> if there was a Hulk, he would eat people, man. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. It's like, I, I like those comics. I think that they're occasionally well written, not so much the ultimate X-Men, but like the ultimates, the Mark Miller one is very well written. Yeah, But they are, as you said, they're definitely reactions to the silliness of comic books. We're going to make them for grownups, which is like, no, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> Don't pretend that you are. You're not. <laughs> You're trying to appeal to the same people every time. Just just own it. Yeah, admit it and move on. <laughs> exactly. No one really cares about that. So you really got to let it go. So we move uh, three years into the future here. We have X-Men 2, which a lot of people would expect. Well, I don't know if they would now. Maybe they would now. But definitely at the time of the trilogy, people said that this was the best X-Men movie. Uh, I am one of those people. Yeah, uh, I still think it's the best X Men movie overall. Why, really? Yeah i I adore this movie. Uh, I remember when I saw the first one in the theaters, I was pretty underwhelmed, and then it came out on DVD, and I got it for Christmas that year, and I enjoyed it more, but still held it at a distance. But X Two, from the moment Nightcrawler shows up to the very end, with the hint of the Phoenix, it was like this movie was made for me. Uh, I still don't like the costumes, but this is my jam right here. It is very cool. It it was cool to see Nightcrawler. It was one of those things kind of in the promotion where you're like, will this work? Why'd they make him look different? Like, like, why is he dressed like he's from the 70s? (laughs) Why has he got the flasher coat on? But, you know, whatever. It's fine. But I mean, but the cool thing about that him, opening scene is where he's in the White House is incredible. <laughs> yeah. And it's the cool thing about it is that when the character was created in the books, 
uh, it was you would have to see his bamfing. You would see it statically. So he would like disappear into a, a cloud of brimstone uh, in one panel, poof, and then another panel, he's there again. But you never get to see it in between. You don't actually see the process of him teleporting. But here, they took advantage of the fact that they had almost twice as much to make it. And they, the studio was like, okay, we know that these characters will, will be a hit again. Just go do what you want to do. And they came at it with this. And it's such a, it really makes it more cinematic and it makes it uh, appeal to uh, the different things that you can do with movies as opposed to what you can do on the page. I do really love this movie. I feel like it could use a little tighter editing. Just oh, agree. There are 100% agree. Like yeah. A little bit. And it's like, compared to the first one, it's a little overly long. And it's just like, I feel like there's some there's some exposition in here you could shrink out. There's some there's some travel scenes you could shrink down. <laughs> like, and it's one of those things where they like they knew like once the first one was a hit, it kind of made everyone in these movies a star. So yeah, absolutely. When they made the sequel, they were like, everyone needs their own story. So we're gonna like separate everybody. <laughs> we'll have like four groups and everyone will have their own little story. And it's like you got too much going on here. But it, yeah, and uh, it with Wolverine, it's like, well, people like him, right? So he's going to be the star again, I guess. Whatever, sure. Yeah, it is. It is great, though. Like for this franchise, I. But it is one of those things where I feel like, like everyone was shocked when Cyclops left for, you know, he's barely in X Men Three left to do Superman Returns. And it's like, well, look at his character arc. Like he's, he doesn't get a lot to do in the first one. He's, he gets barely anything to do in the second one. <laughs> like his yeah, was, fight scene gets edited out of the movie. <laughs> it was interesting when X, when X-Men 3 came out and people were so upset about Cyclops dying and immediately became, how could they do that to him? It's like, he was not in the movies. What do you care? Like, it's I mean, yeah, we love the character. He's a great character, but he's not particularly well served in these movies. He better go do something that uh, actually challenges him as an actor. It's like there's really nothing to be offended about with this. It kind of made people like not like James Marsden, too. And I like James Marsden. I think he's he's a good actor. <laughs> he's a very good. He's great in uh, Westworld. He's surprisingly good in Sonic the Hedgehog, which is a terrible movie, but he's actually pretty good in it. Oh, you didn't like I like that movie. <laughs> oh, no. I don't I love it, it, but I thought it was, you know, it's good for a video game movie comparatively. I, yeah, I guess. I mean, you know, a bullet in the head is uh, worse than a bullet in the kneecap, <laughs> but I don't want to be shot either place. <laughs> That's it. It's true. But yeah, uh, I think kind of the most important thing of the second one is the ending because it set us up with so much hope. Oh yeah. The entire movie and is struggling with this unknown power that has been released within her. And then at the end she dies, but then we see, we see the fiery Phoenix underneath the water. And they knew this time that they would be getting another one. That's, that's the big difference between this and the first one where the first one is like, if we don't hit, comic book movies are dead. We are so screwed. And this time it's like, we know we're coming back. So we're going to not only set up the, the Phoenix saga, but we're going to set up all these threads 
that they can then pull through other movies and whether they pulled them through correctly is, is I guess, the ultimate question. But they knew this time that they had something that was going to increase demand for these characters to come back. I'm very shocked that they didn't offer Brian Singer an amount of money that he could not refuse to do the third one. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know why they, why they couldn't have just pushed it off a couple of years because people would would come in and in droves anyway. It doesn't matter when the movie came out. Yeah, but when he was like, "I'm going to go do Superman," the first thing that Fox should have said was, "Okay, we'll wait here. When you're done, come back and we'll do this." Yeah. Or or not try to rush it after you lost him. Right. And go for the absolute worst possible director. Yeah, they're like, we like, we already set our release date, so we'll just stick with that instead of postponing. And it's like, no, you postpone. If like, if you don't have a bad relationship and you're getting results, because clearly, I mean, in hindsight, we can point out a lot of flaws in the X-Men franchise, but they were very successful movies. Yes. We can also point a lot of flaws into Brian Singer as a person. Yeah, but yeah. We didn't know that at the time, folks. Yeah, nowadays that he's off the franchise, it's perfectly okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But back then, yeah, there was a lot of up and down. In between two and three, Brian Singer left because he was doing Superman Returns. Uh, he took James Marsden with him. <laughs> then Matthew Vaughn came in. Yep, Matthew Vaughn. And he and... was really close to doing it. He brought in Kelsey Grammer as Beast, which is possibly the best decision in the movie. It is amazing. And then he <laughs> bailed. Yeah, he didn't he didn't want to feel rushed to do it. And I would have liked to see what he did do with that because we will get back to him shortly. Um, yes, we will. But yeah, they got Brett Ratner in to do the rat, the rat himself. Yeah. Yeah, if you've never seen this guy, <laughs> Google image <laughs> Brett Ratner. <laughs> uh, Google uh, Brett Ratner, Elliot Page. See what comes up. <laughs> uh, it's not going to be great. I can tell you that much. The only thing. No, well, not the only thing, because there are things I like in this movie. But one of the, I guess one of the big things I will give to X-Men 3 is that it does, for the most part, there are a couple of scenes, but for the most part, it does still feel like it's in the same universe. Like, it still feels like it's shot exactly the same. Yeah. Two, which is a hard thing to pull off. I feel like a lot of movies, like even movies that have the same director, like the difference between The Matrix 1 and The Matrix 2, they look like completely different styled movies. Uh, right. like this one's at least it's not it's not standing out from that point <laughs> they just fucked up the story so much that it sticks out for a lot of other reasons <laughs> right the the biggest problem with it is that they have a story that's that's as large and kind of epic as the dark phoenix saga and they said that's not enough plot so we're going to take the joss whedon uh storyline about the mutant cure and make them into one movie it's like no you either do one or the other you really can't do both. One doesn't need the other to survive and vice versa. And their, their absolute refusal, which, cause it'll come back to this surprisingly, if you can believe it, it'll come back to this exact same type of movie. Uh, their refusal to do this storyline properly is yeah. insane. I mean, not even properly because you don't have to do the whole like Shi'ar empire and all the like super hellfire club, stuff. all like, that stuff. You could just do this space entity came to earth and inhabited Jean's body. It's very simple. A fucking firebird. 
flies out of space and inhabits her body. Like that we have man with laser eyes. You want me to think that in that universe, I'm going to find aliens to be too, too overboard. Like, no, it's totally (laughs) believable. (laughs) Again, I've mentioned the claws coming out of the man's fist. (laughs) We have a man that can manipulate metal. And we have a demon that teleports. (laughs) We have a blue lady that turns into other people. Come on, let's just do it. But they, yeah, they don't. They they gave the storyline that Jean is has split personalities, and her other personality is someone called the Phoenix that is just maximizes her ability, but is evil and destructive, and and it's it's just so stupid. They they it's uh they kill Cyclops immediately. They kill Professor X, which was, I mean, I feel like the death of. Cyclops was emotionally enough. I didn't think they needed to kill Professor Xavier as well. Yeah, I think when they kill Xavier, it's them telling the audience, that's it, folks. No more. Yeah, it was it was kind of like finality. Like it's shocking that we got so many more movies because this one really felt like, oh, they're not gonna make any more. Yeah, like I mean the title says it all. The last stand. Meaning not the stand before next, <laughs> not the second to last stand. This is it. This is what it's all building to. And it's like, well, not really. But uh, I mean, it wasn't how how long was it between this and Wolverine Origins? Like two years, three years. I think the first like four or five were all like three year gaps. And then I started busting them out real fast. (laughs) So talk about false advertising, man. Jeez. Yeah, this was this was a very weird time for comic book movies, too, because this movie, X-Men 3, I wouldn't say a bomb financially, but critically, like at least fan wise, people were like, what the fuck? Like nobody yeah. at the time was like, oh, that was great. Everybody was like, what the fuck? Why did you do that? <laughs> yeah, there was legitimate anger from everybody. And also the exact same year we got Superman Returns, which people were like, what the fuck? Why did you do that? <laughs> and then the following This is year, what you left for? The following year we got Spider-Man 3, which everyone was like, what the fuck? Yeah. What did you do that for? <laughs> like so it was this weird Oof. time right before like I think the MCU did like took off so well because they were just doing it right at a time where everyone was doing it wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I think Ghost Rider was in there at the same time as well. Yeah, Ghost Rider is the year after this. Yeah, so Spider Man Three. Yeah, that's that's like a four four pack power punch of shit. It's amazing that the genre still existed (laughs) after all this. And it's like Superman Returns isn't even bad. It's just not interesting. It's not what we needed. Like nobody was asking for a continuation of the seventies Superman. Like right. we wanted a modern s- s- telling of the story, like so. It completely works in that lens, but it's it's not what anyone wanted, which is what makes yeah. it bad. <laughs> it's it's what I call an interesting failure. I like the idea of it. I think that it's a clever concept, but it doesn't work as a movie. And they do they do do that concept a lot now, and it does work. But you didn't. And I think that that could work and be more interesting if they made a sequel to the 70s Superman, but they made it fucking 40, 50 years in the future. Like Superman looks the same, but everyone else is older. You know, Perry White's dead. Yeah. Lois Lane's an old lady. Like 
Lex Luthor oh, that'd be cool. or whatever. Like, do it from that point of view. I always find it very annoying with Superman where they act like Lex Luthor is his, his you know, arch enemy, his main rival. Like, they're, they'll feud their entire life. But it's like in the great scheme of Superman's life, that's like a speck of time. Like, you know what I mean? Right. We go to find out that Superman basically like winds up living forever. Like he would have so many other loves of his life. He would have so many other arch nemesis. Like, yeah. Cause he'll be there till that son dies. Yeah. So until then, you know, he'll be racking up, uh, villain counts and girlfriends and ex wives. Oh God. Can you imagine Superman getting divorced? Yeah. Oh, that'd be so great. That was in, uh, a script. I think it was the there were so many, but I think it was the J.J. Abrams script. He was he was working on a Superman movie in the mid two thousands, and I think, and the one that became Superman Returns. Yeah, and I well, at one one draft of his script had them like getting divorced. Like Lois couldn't take it anymore. Like that he was Superman. It's like you can't deal with the fact that nothing will happen to him. Like. <laughs> like you're the one being nosy all the time and getting yourself into trouble like you just stay home he'd be like he'd be all right most of the time it's kind of like in the uh in the kevin smith tim burton one that didn't get made that he was in therapy which is such a it's such a dumb concept but i think it's kind of charming in its own way and that there's many reasons why that wouldn't have been a good movie but i would have liked to have seen it just for stuff like that yeah, I would like it from a psychological aspect. Like, I feel like that's why people like Joker, and I didn't like Joker at all. Me neither. Um, I just think I think the movie is really good, and I think everyone in it's good. I don't like Joaquin Phoenix at all. Like, I can't get into it, or I'll get real mad. <laughs> just didn't like it. Everyone fucking loved it, and I don't know why. Like, yes, technically it's good acting, but I just don't give a shit. <laughs> It's showy acting. I'll give him that. He's definitely the star of the movie. Yeah, it's something that has nothing to do with the Joker. <laughs> but yeah, so so yeah, we just kind of we end that original trilogy on just kind of like a whimper. No one really liked it, and and they were they were set on that being a trilogy, and now this was when they were going to spin off into solo movies, right? Because. The next movie we got, also, we didn't read the rest of these Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, X-Men 2 has an 85, and X-Men 3, this is where the inconsistencies start, uh, X-Men 3 has a 57, <laughs> but it is... Wow, that's very high. It is not the lowest on the list. Neither does it... it I don't think it deserves to be either, because uh, there are worse. Oh, God, yeah. Th- there are definitely worse movies. That's for sure. Um, But yeah, they were at the next movie we got is X-Men Origins Wolverine. But when they announced this movie, they also announced an X-Men Origins Magneto movie. That's right. The problem is X-Men Origins Wolverine did so awful that they were like, nope, we're not we're not doing that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> this- and they couldn't crack the idea that is uh, most of the character's uh, backstory involves him being in a concentration camp. It's like, well, how do we make that palatable for, you know, little kids who are coming to see a comic book movie? Yeah, well, and it's also the fact of like, just because the just because you made this bad movie doesn't mean that you have to scrap all your plans and your other movies will be bad. Just learn from this and don't do that. Right. Because Wolverine, I mean, how at this time, four movies in, Hugh Jackman wasn't like 
the executive producer <laughs> or something like <laughs> how did he allow this movie to be made because i feel like even on paper this movie is bad yeah like there I are agree. good elements like i like a majority of the casting i really like like his girlfriend and and I like Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool in the beginning, and I really like Lee Shriver as Sabretooth. Yeah. It's just like the graphics are bad. Like the graphics in this movie are awful. There is a scene where they're on a, a jet at the beginning, and it zooms to the outside of the jet, and this thing looks like sci fi original television. Like they just forgot <laughs> to go back in and finish the graphics. They're going to kill Lava Lantula. <laughs> Lava Lantula. <laughs> Steve Gutenberg. Mega Croc versus Dino Gator or whatever the hell that thing's called. And it's just Ugh. so like fourth movie into a franchise. You figure this would have like a $200 million budget. I think it had something close to that too. Like, the, which is staggering. The fact that this Absolutely came out staggering. after Iron Man, <laughs> like, it doesn't sound right in my brain, but it is true. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's hard to look at as a film, and, and it makes the fact that it's so uninvolving narratively. It does not help that at all. And they like immediately go into inconsistencies because they'll like show characters, and the age like doesn't match up and stuff. <laughs> it's like I don't know what happened. Like I would love a documentary. Of like what the fuck went wrong, like where, who steered the ship in what direction? That such, like a film came out. Yeah, it feels like it's the studio saying, "Well, I know we said it's the last X Men movie last time, but we still need product in theaters. So what can you put together?" And they're like, "I don't know, Wolverine movie? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and what does he do? I don't know. We'll figure it out. Okay, great. Green light that shit." <laughs> Because like him crossing paths with Dr. Doctor, with Professor X and with Cyclops, it's like, so wait a second. They all knew each other back in the day. And then when he meets all these people in the first X-Men movie, he looks at it like it's some weird thing that he's being part of. Like, this is where the continuity begins to splinter. And it becomes the question of which timeline are we in? And how do these timelines eventually intersect or do they intersect or are they just parallel? Yeah, is it a is it a coincidence later on that some characters see themselves in the future and it's played by the same actors? <laughs> Do they all have amnesia? Is that something that just goes around with people with mutant abilities? I feel like that did kind of take me out of the movie in while I was watching it in the theater, like because everything was bad enough already. But when he does get shot in the head at the end of the movie, and that's what gives him amnesia, like. The fact yeah. that, like, he finished the Weapon X program and didn't have amnesia, like, I was like, what? Because I always, I always, <laughs> like, took it as, like, the experiments were so extreme that it, like, it fucking, like, papered over his memory to be like, yeah. that's too traumatic. You have to forget that. <laughs> like, that he couldn't process it. Yeah. It was just overloading him. So, like, when he escapes the Weapon X facility and that, and he still is, like, himself, I'm like, where are we going with this? And then, then he just gets shot in the head and I'm like, oh, like that's stupid. <laughs> does, so does that mean that Cyclops and Professor X got shot in the head too? Yeah. Like, is that how all this works? 
Yeah, you think uh, Professor X would have been reading the fucking area? <laughs> You'd be like, hey, you're that guy. You know, when I got Scott 20 years ago, <laughs> you were that guy. Hey, Prof. Yo, yo, it's me, Logan. What's up, buddy? Hey, how you doing? Oh, Logan, how's it? Be- how you been, buddy? It's all been great. Oh, stuff has happened. You wouldn't believe it. Let's go in here and have some lunch. <laughs> now, this movie, I would say, rightfully has the score that it has, but I wouldn't mind if it was a little lower. It has a 37%. Yeah, that seems a little high. It's a, That's about 10% higher than it should be. It's generous. <laughs> uh, but the next movie on the list, I think, is probably... Uh, probably, like, not counting... If you didn't count, like, Logan and Deadpool, I'd probably say this is my favorite, which is X-Men First Class. I think this is my favorite X-Men movie. This would be my third favorite. Really? But it's it's up there. Yeah. We'll we'll rate these at the end here because I think this movie is just incredible. I think the story is so tight. They they did uh, kind of mix in some of the ideas they had for the Magneto movie, and just yep. uh, like it starts so brilliantly. Kevin Bacon is like surprisingly great as the villain. Uh, like, I feel like besides like a, a few kind of wonky graphic scenes, especially to the point where like some of them are unnecessary, mm-hmm. like the scene where the submarine comes up and Emma Frost is getting <laughs> Kevin Bacon ice <laughs> by <laughs> scraping it off a fucking glacier. And it looks like it looks horrible. And I'm like, you don't even need this scene. Like, why did you put that in? But I mean, we get a whole new cast. And I think, for the most part, they're all perfect. Yeah, I agree. Like, uh, what a strong cast for, especially for you. I mean, just looking at your like two most iconic roles of recasting Professor Xavier and Magneto, I think. Oh, perfect! They're so good Absolutely together, perfect. and they're also so good individually as just being those characters. But their relationship together is fucking phenomenal. <laughs> It's the the amazing thing about it is that it shows you, okay, if they if this is a hit and we we get more prequel movies, we can see how this relationship deepens and gets more complex. And that that really says a lot about casting James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender, because if they didn't get those two characters right, none of this works. Yeah. And they got them so right. But the cool thing is, is that. I look at this as the road not taken with the first X-Men movie where they were afraid of colorful stuff. They were afraid of kind of leaning into the genre. They were afraid of all these different things. And at this point, they're like, well, we're now a billion dollar franchise. We can do whatever we want. We can do what we would have done originally if we had the faith of the studio. And this is where we get Matthew Vaughn. Matthew Vaughn directed this. He came in and Mm -hmm. saved this franchise. This movie just kind of has like everything in it. I mean, it ha- it's like a political thriller and it's also like a spy movie and a, and a superhero movie. You get a lot of it's like a history movie because, I mean, how they like so perfectly reenacted that opening scene of X-Men yeah. with with them being in the concentration camp. I mean, so many people believe for the longest time that that was just reused. They just reused the footage. But it's not. They completely refilmed that entire scene with Magneto yeah. being taken away from his family and, and bending the gate with his awakening powers. 
Uh, and they even like made it fit the movie, which is the amazing part of it. Like they they made it so that even though the rest of the movie is kind of this very light on its feet, occasionally very goofy movie, that doesn't uh, knock you off center at the very beginning. No, it fits no, in with everything it, else. It definitely fits in. Yeah, I mean, especially with it fits in perfectly story wise because this whole the majority of this movie is set in the sixties, so it's perfectly timed for this to be taking place in the forties. And just the like, the fact that they they weren't like, oh, we'll just reshoot this scene to show that he was in a concentration camp. They're like, and here's what happened immediately after that scene, and it's like the most fucked up thing ever. Yeah, and it makes you think like, oh, no wonder Magneto's such a bad guy. He's had such a hard life. Whereas in the first X-Men movie, it's a tragic way to set up that character, but then immediately you jump forward. And now you see him as an old man. But with this, you're like, not only did he have it tough in the concentration camp, he had it tough going out into the world. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he's so singularly focused on revenge that it is. It's like isn't. It's just his life of like staring at a picture on a wall and like focusing on like killing people. <laughs> right. And those scenes are so great. Like, I mean, Kevin Bacon, he plays Sebastian Shaw, who is immortal, basically. So, of course, he's a Nazi during Nazi times because he's the worst person in the world. Um, He's like the devil. He'll go anywhere that where there's bad things happening and immediately join the wrong side. Yeah. And I mean, what a fucked up scene. He's like, I'm a mutant. You're a mutant. Like, you have powers. So let me see your powers. And he's like, but he doesn't know how to do it. Because that's the first time he uses his power. So he's like, I'll give you some motivation. I'm going to hold a gun to your mother's head. <laughs> and if yeah, you don't it's, move oh. this coin, she's going to die. And then she, he fucking, he's not bluffing. <laughs> and it's, it's it, so sad. It is so oh. sad. Also, I mean, that's why I, one of the things I love about this movie is because there is so much like character development and like care given to the emotional states of these characters. It isn't just solely based on the action. I mean, the scene where there's like a training montage of them all, like they recruit their own little X-Men team and there's a, there's a a training montage at the school, but then we get to Magneto. He's trying to move a satellite that is a gigantic satellite, like, or uh, is it a satellite? No, an antenna, like a big, yeah. yeah, like a big satellite antenna on earth, but it's far away and he's trying to like hone his powers and him and Charles have this like beautiful conversation about how Magneto's entire life is is rage and and revenge and focus on all this negative and like every time he's tried to like use his powers to their maximum strength he tried like his focus is on like bad thoughts to try to like yeah. fuel it out of anger and Charles kind of like searches through his mind and finds his like beautiful happy memories that he has the few memories that he has that are good of like his birthday with his family when he was a child and it accesses like a greater amount of his power and like and they're both like crying and stuff like it's such a it's such an emotionally strong scene that you don't expect in a comic book movie right and and in something that is just like a like a reboot it doesn't it doesn't feel like something that is purely commercially driven 
It feels like it's made by people who genuinely care about these characters and want to use them to their best ability. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I would absolutely agree with that. And you could tell he does because like Matthew Vaughn's made a few comic book movies now. Now he makes nothing but them. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, X-Men. The only my only real problem with X-Men First Class is that I wish they had had the foresight to actually make this a trilogy of movies. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Because Magneto staying to the dark side and becoming a villain at the end of the movie it's kind of rushed. Like I wish more that they had had a trilogy plan and that happened at the end of the second movie. Yeah. And like cemented him as a bad guy, like just kind of end this one where like he's still on the team, but like he's definitely got some darkness in him. Like, and then like by the third one, he's full on bad guy, but they never like at this time they were just like, everything's a cash cow. So like, how can we capitalize this on as soon as possible? But it has eighty six percent, and it deserves it. It deserves at least that. I'd say probably a little more because it is it is a phenomenal movie. Agreed. Uh, next up, two years later, we get the Wolverine, which is a, a course correction to X Men Origins. Uh, no <laughs> clarification, really, if this is set in the same universe. Uh, kind of the same yeah. with Logan. <laughs> you get he, yeah. We just kind of got three Wolverine movies that they say is a trilogy that could be. They're on all three different attempts at making a franchise. Yeah, they're all like, we still need Hugh Jackman in these movies because he's arguably the biggest star in all of them. So what can we do? I was like, well, we'll just get him on a case by case basis. Yeah. And just like, hey, we'll, we'll let you do a samurai movie. He's like, all right, mate, I'll do it. And then, hey, we, we're going to have you time traveling. All right, mate, I'll do it. <laughs> I do feel like the Wolverine is it's. I mean, it's leaps and bounds better than. <laughs> oh, I like it. I think it's a good movie. Yeah, I think it's a good. It's movie. just I have no idea what the continuity is. I think it's his most. He looks the most like Wolverine in this movie. Like it's where his hair is oh, yeah. most, like on point, and it's the most cut he is in any of these movies. Like he is insanely in shape in this movie. He was like getting a diet, specimen of perfection, getting diet tips from The Rock, and like dehydrating himself before filming so that his muscles would be more defined and just like he said he'd have a i guess a lot of actors do this when they do like men's fitness covers and stuff the best thing to do Mm -hmm. is like not drink any water the day before and then get really drunk that night so like everyone while they're taking these photos feels like shit but they have to like pretend that they're happy and smiling (laughs) i did not know that i was preparing to be on the cover of men's fitness magazine But the the Wolverine is good. The story, I feel, is good to a point. And then there are just kind of a few elements that if they took them out, it would be a lot better of a movie. Yeah, I think it's a little bloated at the way it is. But I think that if you kind of cut it to the bone, it could be pretty damn good. But I think the thing that I like about it most is that he's a Ronin in it. Yeah. That he is literally a masterless samurai. And to take a character... And like with all the other X-Men movies, it's how do we take these characters and put them in different places, but they still need to represent the same thing that they were in the previous movie. This was, we'll take him out of his element to a place that he's never been to and then do a type of story that isn't made anymore, the samurai movie, and make a genre piece that is very specifically part of some subset, but then put in 
mutants into that mold. And they kind of did the same thing with Logan too. They kind of made like a, a modern Western and mm-hmm. kind of like crafted it into to fit into like a, a superhero world. With this movie, I feel like if you took like Viper out, because they were just like, we need some bad guys, but we don't have any like A listers. <laughs> like, right. Um, because they were just trying to bide time until the Silver Samurai came up. Which I feel like if they had changed that as well and just made it a mutant like it is in the comic books, it would have yeah. been better. Not this giant metal robot samurai. <laughs> Which as a scene is fine. It's okay. Nothing crazy good about it. But yeah, yeah, I think that you're right. I think that that would have been better. Because I, I really love the, I like the opening a lot. There are a, some inconsistencies where it does come to be like, what universe is this set in? Because in the beginning, we see that Wolverine is in like a prisoner of war camp in Japan yep. during World War II, uh, right when the nukes are about to go off. And he like saves a soldier who was too much of a coward to kill himself with the rest of his, his fellow soldiers. But then we cut to present time. And this soldier has become like a huge tech billionaire in Japan. And he like calls for Logan to like come. He he like has a proposition for him on his like deathbed. But there's never any like insinuation that Logan doesn't know who he is. But he shouldn't know who he is at all. (laughs) Like, yeah, when are because especially in the flashbacks, we know that. Well, I mean, this is definitely supposed to be in the in the same universe as the original trilogy because Gene, like Wolverine is haunted by dreams of killing Gene in this movie. Right. Um, and he has bone claws in the world war two flashback, but then he has his regular claws in the future. So he definitely went through the weapon X program after the events of the beginning of this movie. So he didn't like, he didn't get rid of his amnesia. <laughs> right. How the fuck does he know who this guy is? <laughs> But I think like the opening where he's like living in the woods and he's all like long haired, long beard, like the scene of the bear and all that. I think that's like really cool to like show like he killed Gene and it just like and Professor X was dead and like in his whole life just kind of went to shit. Yeah, it's it's a it's a natural foregone conclusion kind of thing where that is logically where he would be after all that stuff happened. And then he, he, yeah, he goes to Japan. Uh, the, the tech guy wants, uh, he wants to cure him, which is weird because they're like, I, he's like, I could take your immortality away, you know? And it's like, well, yeah, there's a, there's already a cure for being a mutant in this <laughs> universe. He, if he wanted that, he could have it done anytime. Yeah, we kind of did this as an entire movie. <laughs> there are, they're literally having free clinics where you could go and get a show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that but that aspect's a little wonky, but overall, it is a good movie. The, the action scenes are really good. Have you seen the R-rated version? I haven't. Is it better? It is, yeah. and but it's it's not so much a different movie, but there is an additional scene where they're. I think the the part where they're shooting him full of arrows, like they're like yeah arrows, and then uh, arrows attached to to ropes so that they can pull him back. And that scene is explored a little further where he gets into like a like a street cleaning machine and goes over some ninjas and chops them to pieces. Oh, really? Which is, yeah, it's a really good scene. I don't think it makes it necessarily like a different experience, but it is it's fun to think of. Well, if this scene was in the movie and they did they did the R rated thing, 
that it could have worked, that it would have been fine. Yeah. Yeah, I would have liked to see that scene be a little more brutal, so I'm glad to know that that does exist because seeing him get lit up with all those arrows is pretty intense. <laughs> like He's got yeah. like 60 arrows in his bag. And it looks like it hurts. Yeah. It doesn't look like... Oh, we're just uh, we're just playing around here. It looks like it really hurts. And then I feel like the most important part of this movie is the is the mid credit scene. Uh, Wolverine loses one of his uh, one set of his claws and gets his bone claws back. And the only disappointing part to come out of that is that we don't find out how he got those back. You right. have to kind of like assume Magneto did it. Because <laughs> um, in the post credit scene, uh, Wolverine's in an airport. And he uh, declines the x-ray. He'll take a pat down. And then, uh, like, metal starts floating around him, right? Is that right? Yep, that's right. And Magneto is behind him. Uh, but before Wolverine can do anything, everyone is becomes frozen. And Professor X, who has been dead, and Magneto also, the last time we saw him, was cured of his abilities, didn't have his powers anymore. Uh, right. He has his powers again, and, and Professor Xavier is back to life. And, uh, and he's just kind of like, hey, Logan, what's up? Yeah. Hey, buddy. Hey, All right. It's me. It's <laughs> me, your friend. <laughs> and uh, he's like shocked, and he's like, yeah, we need you for something. And then that goes into the next movie, Days of Future Past. We, you see like a Sentinel commercial on the TV in the airport. That's right. Oh, for Trask Industries. Yeah. And I feel like X-Men Days of Future Past is really good. But yeah, there, I like it. But there are some inconsistencies when it does come to that. Because it's like, why like, why did Earth go to shit so fast? <laughs> like, yeah. like, you're immediate, like, you were literally showing us a commercial at the end of Wolverine saying, like, Sentinels are just becoming a thing. And then we're like, let's go 60 years in the past, back to the 60s, where Sentinels became a thing. And <laughs> it was all based on this event. And like the world is a dystopian future now, even though we were just in an airport <laughs> and everything was fine. Yeah, and my biggest problem is that the Sentinels of the future look less cool than the Sentinels of the sixties. I don't like any of the Sentinels in this movie, and that is one of the things. Like I really like the story, but like I hate the way the Sentinels look and I hate the explanation of why they can do what they can do in the future. Cause it makes yeah. zero fucking sense. <laughs> Well, to be fair, nothing in the movie actually makes sense, and but it, it kind of works. <laughs> no even explanation though, to how Kitty Pride gets new abilities all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. The way I look at Days of Future Past is that people were so upset about The Last Stand that they just decided to make an entire movie that was retconning that movie. Pretty much, yeah. And there, there was an alternate ending to The Wolverine where Wolverine is handed a case. And yes. he gets on the airplane, opens the case, and it's classic Wolverine costume. And the costume that he has body-wise in X-Men Days of Future Past is close enough to a Wolverine costume that you could have put that mask on him and he wouldn't have looked ridiculous. Right. And that mask really did look cool. Like, I wish that had been the ending of the movie. I think that ending is better. <laughs> yeah. I've still only seen like screenshots of it. Oh, really? And even then when I saw it, I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. That would have been so much fun. Cause you can see if you watch, cause there is a scene at the airport at the end of the movie where he's talking to his, his love. And you can see the girl in the background holding the case, but then they just cut the rest of it out. 
That's a bummer. Is the do you know if it's on the DVD? Uh, I think it's on YouTube. I think that. OK, I well, I'll, I'll be looking that up once I'm done with this. But Days of Future Past is really good. It's cool to see the two casts mixed together. It's the the scene where Patrick Stewart and why well, I'm blanking on his name. Ian McKellen. Uh, no, James McAvoy have like the future, oh. the, the past to future talk. I think is oh yeah really cool and emotional. And I, I the the Quicksilver scene is fucking holy. Like oh, it's awesome, so good. Everyone thought, and rightfully so, that what that the MCU's version of Quicksilver would be better than the X Men version. <laughs> and you could boy, were we wrong? wrong. <laughs> like I don't even hate Quicksilver in the MCU, but. That the X Men one is just so much better, <laughs> and that's a case of them saying they found out that Quicksilver was going to be in Age of Ultron, and they were like, "We need to write a scene where Quicksilver's in this movie." And in doing so, they rushed it into production, and still in the process, made a scene that was better than anything he does in Age of Ultron. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, I don't know if I said it. The Wolverine is 71%, which is uh, not bad. It's not it's bad. Fine. If it was a little higher, I, would, I wouldn't I would mind that either, because I think it's fine. But, it, I mean, it's, the movie itself is fine. Uh, Days of Future S has a 90%, which... It's a little high. A little high, yeah. I'd, but, I'd probably say like 85. I mean, not But it was kind of the moment where we realized, oh, we're going to be getting these movies every two years yeah, yeah. for the rest we're of our lives. Started chugging them out. <laughs> Uh, next up is Deadpool, which there isn't much you can say about Deadpool. It's it's amazing. Most people don't count it as an X Men movie, even though like, I mean, he's an X Men character, but I mean, it's just a comedy. I mean, it's, but right. it is fantastic, and it's wonderful. if the X Mansion is in it, it counts. It is true. Um, that also that has an eighty five percent, which well, I think that's high. You think that's high? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the Deadpool's. Uh, I feel like I I liked them both. I do definitely. I think I definitely like the first one better than the second one. My biggest issue with them is the star. I Ryan Reynolds bugs the shit out of me, and it really makes me sad because I try to support other Ryans wherever I can. Uh, Ryan Johnson, Meg Ryan, uh, Jack Ryan, the fictional character. I try to support these people, but Ryan Reynolds strikes me as a little too cool for school, a little relying on eighties pop culture references instead of actually telling jokes. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued to see how it's going to work out with him in the MCU. But, uh, if it's another Ryan Reynolds vanity project, I don't think that I'm terribly interested in it. Yeah. There are parts of Deadpool himself. Like when he is Deadpool on it up, that do get like a little, Little one note, but I mean, I understand. He's, I mean, he's, I mean, I feel like that character it is why Ryan Reynolds is good for that character is because Ryan Reynolds and that character aren't for everybody. Right. They both annoy me. That's how they're <laughs> yeah. meant for the role. Uh, but next up after that, we had uh, one of the worst again. We dipped, we dip again yeah. into X-Men Apocalypse. <laughs> Which kind of like tricked me because the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, that was all right. And then the second time I watched it, I was like, holy shit, that is awful. <laughs> the second time you watch it, you go, how the fuck did I think that was good? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and then like a couple of years later, it was on TV and I was like, oh, no, how did 
how did I think any of this was good? <laughs> I was so wrong. I was so wrong. Yeah, it's uh, the best thing I can say about it is that I really like the way that Olivia Munn looks as Psylocke. Yeah, she's uh, if only she was in the movie more than two minutes and got yeah. anything interesting to do, that'd be great. But I love, uh, I will say, it has my favorite closing shot out of any of the X-Men movies when they're wearing their animated series costumes. Yeah, they're that made yeah, me they're so happy. Yeah. Made me so happy that I was like, well, maybe that was worth it. And then it came out on Blu-ray and I watched it. And I was like, nope, nah, not worth it. Yeah. But hey, we got those 20 seconds. Those 20 seconds are everything. Yeah, I was glad to see um, Rose Byrne back. She was in first class as well. Um, always great. Yeah. Great actress. She's, she's, she's always amazing. Um, and I do really like the family storyline with Magneto. I think that, that mm-hmm. was all very like that is so emotional. Like he finally found peace and happiness and it's immediately taken. It's like, of course it happens to this fucking guy. Of course they fridge his family. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. For being a good person. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he finally started doing the good shit and they're like, no, nope. uh, one of them. Yeah. Big- that should be the moment where professor X is like, okay, I get it. I'll join you. Yeah. My bad. (laughs) One of the things that annoys me the most about this first class is set in the sixties days of future past set the seventies. So this movie set in the eighties, all of these movies has had a character that is Cyclops's brother. And in this one, so in the first one, he's about 20, maybe we'll say 18 conservatively. So by this one, he's in his late thirties and he still looks like he's 20. And they're still like, oh yeah, I t- I went over and talked to my parents and was like, let my little pipsqueak brother go to this school school of mutants. And it's like, yeah, you're old enough to be his dad. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, they all age in two year increments over the course of thirty years. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that movie's garbage, and it's got a forty seven percent, and I feel like that's pretty generous. The movie wastes Oscar Isaac. That is not okay. And it's crazy that they are. Um, winding down here, we have we have uh, we move on to the following year. We have Logan with a ninety three percent, which I feel like is is deserved. Uh, yep, I think this movie is it. It's incredible for the story that is there. There are like some elements that I'm like, eh, this feels like a little forced. In like maybe they could have done a little bit of a better job, but I mean the overall story is fantastic. The acting is fantastic. Uh, it's just dreary as fuck <laughs> and brutal. Yeah, and like, it's the closest we're going to get to old man Logan. And it is. So it's so like sad for that character where you look at his entire life and he, he is kind of like the good guy version of Magneto. It's like your entire life has been nothing but awful pain and suffering. Yeah. And it never stops until the very end. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to kill you. Yeah. There are some elements in there that I don't understand. Why is Logan's healing factor just giving out all of a sudden? Yeah. I feel like they had a very easy... I like I At the at the time when I watched it, I was like, what the fuck? Like, I feel like they had a very easy, tie, uh, easy like, tie-in because they had... There were no more mutants because they had put something in these... Like, in the... In all the food and drink that, like, stopped the mutant gene from spreading anymore 
Mm-hmm. And then, like, all the mutants had, like, died out. And then they're just saying, like, oh, and Wolverine's healing factor is just kind of, like, wearing off. And it's like, why not? Why don't you have it be, like, he drank something, obviously, because he has to eat or and drink. Like, and that, whatever that is that's stopping that is, like, shutting off his, like, the only reason, like, he still has a healing factor is because he has a healing factor. Right. Like, it's it, it constantly fighting whatever the fuck that is. It reminds me of Spider-Man 2, where he just loses his powers. For no reason. And then when he gets them back, it's like, well, how'd you get them back? It's like, I don't know, but they're back. Yeah. It's like, okay, fine. Conference. Whatever. Because it made no sense <laughs> either. Because I understood the Peter Parker inside was Spider-Man all along. Okay, Pete. Great. <laughs> what I did like, though, which is missing in the Wolverine, because in the Wolverine, his healing factor also gets deplenished a bit. Um, That's right. But in the Wolverine, he's still popping his claws, and then his hands are not covered in blood, even though he has no healing factor. And his hands are right. closing. In this one, like he, you can see, like, pus and shit on his knuckles from like open wounds from his him having to like take his claws out and stuff and like he gets shot and it's not it is healing but it's healing a lot slower and stuff like that and he's just beat down and broken and bitter and just like fuck the whole world and you have professor x who is just an invalid at this point practically demented they still never explain how he's alive yeah, no. Uh, I mean, because he was dead 15 years earlier, but whatever. I'll go along with that. Yeah. That's fine. There, and, and it's also like a very big like X-Men trope in these all these movies is they're very vague about what's going on. Right. It's because they don't write out tell you. You kind of have to put together that Professor Xavier had some sort of like, because he's getting older and his brain is failing him, that is, is in his abilities is his mind that his, he is starting to lose control of his abilities because he's losing control of his brain. Um, right. So he had like some sort of like psychic event and it like killed all the mutants that were near him. So like, that's what happened to Gene and Scott and Magneto and all of these people. Um, Which makes you think like, so then why was Gene uh, retconned as alive at the end of days of future past of three years later? We're just going to throw that out the window. Yeah, we're just going to kill everyone off. And it's, I mean, they change it. I guess that's why they didn't call the movie Old Man Logan, because they do change that story. Uh, I won't give away what happens in the the comic book, but it is a lot different and it is a lot more brutal. Uh, We'll just say Mysterio was involved. Yes, for some reason. (laughs) And it is, yeah, it's insane. But it's such a good movie. It's such a, like, it's so sad. Like the ending is so sad. Oh, beautiful. A beautiful ending. It is. It like, is legitimately. It had to happen, but I did kind of wish it happened like differently. Cause it's like, I didn't think like the way that he died was like deserving enough for like how great of a character he's been. I'm like, Oh, he just gets impaled on a tree. Like, come on now. <laughs> yeah. You got something cooler than that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But in knowing that, this was it that he was done. I think that's, that's kind of what the emotional reaction is in the moment where we're not mourning the character. We're mourning the fact that he's not going to be playing this guy anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a lifetime achievement moment. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it's so good. I mean, if you haven't seen Logan, I don't know what to fucking tell you. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Get to it folks. Yeah. Get on it. 
after that, we had uh, we had Deadpool two. Same thing. I mean, there's not much to say about it. It's a comedy. It's fucking funny. <laughs> there's the X Mansion. Yeah, there you go. X Mansion. You actually see some yada yada yada. <laughs> uh, and then finally, because uh, we're not going to count New Mutants because that was just kind of thrown together. Um, we're gonna do. We're gonna end it on Dark Phoenix, which I haven't seen. And the reason I haven't seen it, which is, I have seen literally every single other movie that we've mentioned so far, I saw in theaters. And I did not see, not only did I not see it in theaters, but I haven't seen it at all, (laughs) is Dark Phoenix. Because it looked bad. Everybody said it was bad. (laughs) Like, nobody likes this movie. (laughs) I gotta say, your subconscious was really helping you out. Yeah, that you don't have this stain on your brain. <laughs> so I, I want you to just walk me through this a little bit. The reason I was like, "Oh, this is bad," is because it's X Men Three again. They're doing the exact same yes. shitty. Gene has an evil psyche, alternate personality called the Phoenix, and it is rearing its ugly head again. Yeah. So the thing that. Like, as you as you said with uh, The Last Stand, that we should just have aliens and just accept it. The The good thing about Dark Phoenix is that there are aliens in it and they are trying to get the uh, the Phoenix. But the way that they go about it is so bland and so vanilla and just colorless. And it's a drag. X-Men movies, even when they're not bad, even when they're bad, they're not a drag, except for maybe like X-Men Origins Wolverine, which is a bummer no matter how you slice it. But even the worst X-Men movies have some kind of element of uh, joviality to them, have this sense of uh, narrative momentum. And Dark Phoenix has none of that. It is a bummer from the very beginning to the very end. And there's no redeemable aspects to it at all? Um... I saw I did on a train where Magneto was just killing motherfuckers left and right. And that was pretty cool. (laughs) It's it's not that part isn't bad. It's just it's unnecessary is the biggest problem of Dark Phoenix is that if you're gonna do this storyline right, just do a faithful adaptation. Don't do this whole. Well, we're going to take a second bite at the apple and we're going to get it right this time, but we're not going to do anything from the comics. Just. Just take the pages and just render them on screen. Just do what uh, Robert Rodriguez and Frank Miller did for Sin City. Just take that storyline, maybe update it just a little bit, simply because uh, the whole idea of we should be fearful of feminine power is really outdated. But take that and just kind of compress it a little bit, uh, wind down the timeline a tad, and just put it on the screen. You would have something better than what you have now. And there's no, like, alien element to it at all? Like, this is a force of the universe or anything? Uh, We don't know. Uh, I'm sure that if they got another movie, they would have explained that somehow. But simply, it's just there are shape-shifting aliens who are not Skrulls. They were originally Skrulls. uh, And then Captain Marvel decided that they were going to do Skrulls. So they rewrote those characters in post-production. There are alien elements, uh, but nothing about them is interesting. And nothing about them has anything to do with the original story. So crazy. (laughs) So crazy. I mean, I'm sure part of this is messed up from Fox getting sold to Disney 
And like, yeah, that didn't help like that in terms of the box office. That's what killed it. Yeah, because there was a because Disney was like, we don't want to have anything to do with this. Yeah, at there, all. there was a moment they weren't even going to put this out. New Mutants, they were not going to release. They were like, no, we'll we'll eat shit on that investment and just start over. Like, yeah, I'm positive that if Disney Plus existed when uh, they bought Fox, this is where it would have ended up. Yeah. Yeah, probably. I mean, and maybe they might not even have put it out on that just to be like, we don't want this to like run people away. <laughs> yeah, it, it. I mean, no matter what, they're they're losing money. They're losing a lot of money. But I think that there's a certain element of like saving face because like the joke during the New Mutants production was, are we ever going to see this movie to the point that anytime they released a trailer, you would see the joke headlines already formed before they were even written which is uh, a new New Mutants trailer coming out, which will definitely eventually hit theaters, right? <laughs> and it became this kind of like shared joke between anybody that follows X-Men movies. And then it finally did. But of course, it comes out during uh, during a time when most theaters are not open in the country, which was intentional. They could have put it on a streaming service. They had one at the time. Uh, HBO had the first run rights to it, but other than that, like in two years, it would have been on a Disney owned streaming service, but they specifically decided we didn't spend a lot of money on this. We didn't do any reshoots. Let's just put it out there. And if we put it out in theaters now, then if there's a blowback, we won't see it because no one can actually go to the theater. And I'm sure that they wish that this pandemic happened in 2019 so that they could have done the same for Dark Phoenix. <laughs> I would, I, I really like now I really want to do it on the show just to like be like, wow, like I need to see it just to be like, I, I want my live reaction recorded to how bad this is. <laughs> the problem is we don't do movies out of order. So like I'd have churned through a bunch of X-Men movies to get to that one. <laughs> you have to get through Origins. Have to get through uh, the Deadpool's. Oh. Where well, I did Deadpool one. So. Oh, okay. Well, I yeah, because I didn't count that. So, yeah. So it is. It's a little odd and sad that the X Men franchise just kind of ends on like a whimper. Yeah. But hopefully, now that Marvel owns X Men again, they have this huge franchise to capitalize on. I mean. The world is our oyster. Hopefully, <laughs> like yeah, we we could get comic book accurate storylines and and costumes. costumes and more villains than just Magneto. <laughs> yeah, like they they have talked already about um, and we talked about this on our X Men episode just a tiny bit. But you're pro- you're probably a lot better person to talk to it because Tammy doesn't know a lot about this stuff. Um, they want to update uh, Professor X and Magneto. They've been talking about making them African-American and updating their story to be more focused on the civil rights movement. That's right. Because uh, like we're getting so far away from world war two, like we can't have a hundred year old characters. Um, The only problem I I see there is like updating it to the civil rights act of the sixties. Like that wouldn't make them that much younger. (laughs) Like they would still be born in about the forties if they're in their twenties when this is happening. Yeah, either way, they're going to end up old. But what I find interesting about that is that, uh, I mean, these characters were created in the wake of the civil rights movement. They were created to uh, have people who are outside of the traditional kind of cis-het 
white male uh, groups and appeal to them in terms of showing you characters that are diverse and that have adversity. And uh, I don't know if that's exactly what they're going to do, but it would make sense, especially the way that the, the MCU is going in terms of representation. But I, I reserve all judgment until I see an official confirmation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I kind of hold out hope until I see a trailer just to see how things are working out. And I have no, I have no problem with them doing that at all. Like my only problem there is like the age, like they're still going to be pretty old. Like, and I feel like you're just going to run into this issue again, you know, 20 years from now. Right. Um, But also they could be set in a different part of the multiverse that maybe the civil rights movement didn't happen until later. That's true. And then they're going to cross over. So who knows, especially now that they're making Deadpool three, that means that his world is going to carry over. So are they on different earths? That's true. Or is like the civil, are they going to make it all an allegory in the civil rights movement that they were dealing with as for mutants and not for like people of color? There you go. Like, is it just a whole movement that is, you know, similar? Is it reminiscent, but not literally? Yeah. yeah. My The thing, though, too, is like, I really like, I mean, I don't like it because it's an awful thing to have happened, but I do like that it, it gives so much reason and purpose to Magneto's, like, pain and cause and suffering and, like, and where his head is at having been a child in a concentration camp like not to say the fucking civil rights movement is a walk in the park but i mean that's concentration camps are like the worst thing in human history (laughs) like they're varying levels of trauma yeah i mean it's all bad (laughs) but it is like it is such i mean it's still linked to his character in the comic books like they have they have worked storylines around to how he is still a child of the holocaust (laughs) yeah so it'll be interesting to see what the, what changes they make and and how they change it. But I am very much looking forward to what they do with it because, I mean, they've been killing it so far. And right yeah, now, I think that they've they've earned our goodwill and our trust. Yeah, and that we just need to hope upon hope that they'll do something good. They probably will. They fucked up a lot more than Fox did with it. <laughs> like like yeah, Fox fucked up a lot more than Marvel ever has. So. I have faith. True. In, I have faith in the MCU. Well, this this phase that we're in will really test those waters to see uh, see how well they can do with some without some other heavy hitters. But I mean, at least they got this. They got this to fall back on, which is why yep. I think they didn't announce it when they were like, "Well, we'll give them Fantastic Four, but we'll hold off on the X Men in case like the Eternals doesn't do good, and then we can be like, oh, we got the X Men.'" <laughs> and they they uh, Feige specifically didn't call them X Men called them mutants yeah which is interesting interesting yeah i don't know how they're gonna do that i mean there has to be some sort of like like they're gonna go through different worlds in doctor strange like different universes so like will they see i'm wondering if there will be like a tease to that like maybe we'll he'll be falling through, through some sort of like dimensional tunnel and we'll see like glimpses into a bunch of different realities and maybe we'll see like yeah. wolverine fighting somebody or something like that I can only hope. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think they'll. I think they'll do good, and I can't wait. I want. I wonder how long they'll make us wait, because like, 
we can't really complain if they even even if they make us wait 10 years like we deserve a little bit of an x-men break we've had 20 years of movies yeah i think that's a deliberate thing on their part is to let the the bad taste of dark phoenix kind of wash out of our mouths yeah and and all the other mistakes that they put out yeah <laughs> And I, I think if it wasn't for those ones, though, like people wouldn't give as much of a shit about like Dark Phoenix being bad. Like they would be more understanding the difficulties they went through. But with the way it is, they're like, you fucked up with this one and this one and this one and this one. Like, how could you do it again for the fifth time? Yeah. <laughs> like, I think that if they had made a different story that just wasn't good, people would be more forgiving. And I also think like if Apocalypse hadn't been so bad, people would have been that too. Yeah. Oh, this is just another bad one. Like they're like two. Ba- <laughs> That's all they make now. <laughs> like, they're kind of like banking on the Wolverine movies being into between to be like, no, we gave you that good one, and then everyone's like, it's not an X Men movie. That's a Wolverine. Movie. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, this was this was really fun. Thanks for doing this, man. Oh, of course. Thank you for having me. Why don't you uh, tell everyone one more time about your shows and then uh, where they can find you on social media and all that. Uh, the Coolness Chronicles, it is a 100-episode deep dive into the greatest thing ever, Mystery Science Theater 3000, and it will soon be uh, doing miniseries episodes on Toy Story and then uh, the movie Airplane and the movies that uh, led up to it and the movies that it inspired. Uh, it's kind of a... it's I call it the Chronicles for a reason because I take the listener through... Uh, time by going into every single possible detail in a kind of a serialized fashion. Uh, you can find that wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, my Twitter is coolness pod Ryan. And on Instagram, I am the coolness chronicles. And you can also find us on Facebook and Podchaser. And then the other show that I do reels of justice, where we put a bad movie on trial or a good movie on trial to determine if it's guilty of being a bad movie. Uh, you can find that uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram at Reels of Justice, and you can also find that wherever you listen to this show. Hell yeah, yeah! Thanks again for coming on and doing this. Uh, definitely, go, it was my pleasure. Go check out his show and definitely check out the episode that I was on. We talked about RoboCop, and it was really fun. <laughs> I love RoboCop. That's right, such a good movie. And Ryan will definitely be back on. We'll we'll get to actually do a commentary soon. When we do X Men Two, Ryan will come on and do that. We were, that's what we were oh, going to do yeah. tonight, but that movie's so long <laughs> and <laughs> but yeah thank you so much for doing this this was great you get a lot of insight oh thank you i can't I had fun. listen back to this but uh <laughs> you can find this show on twitter fmb and podcast we're on facebook and instagram fmb and the number four and the letter u you can buy our merchandise on our threadless store which is fmbn.threadless.com uh we will be back uh i don't know what day this is coming out we will be back next time uh, with another great episode Uh, so I'm Josh I'm Ryan and this is the 4 Nerds by Nerds podcast signing off stay nerdy my friends